Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. And I am glad to have all of you with us for the uh, program today. We've got so much we're going to do, but let me begin here, though, with what the off week for Georgia is going to be about. Now, on the field, there's still practice work to be done. There's players hopefully getting healthier. There's a lot related to all of that that's going to be monitored very closely. But Kirby Smart told you at the end of last week when Georgia was wrapping up that game against Kentucky that he's not looking to get to the beach right now. He's not looking to prop his feet up and rest. He's not going to catch up on any of his shows. Uh, Smart said, no, with the off week coming here, there's a chance now for me to focus on something else that's a really, really important part of my job, and that's getting squared away and getting locked in to both further my relationship with some future recruits and also nail things down with a couple of current recruits. And before we get into all the recruiting stuff about to go on with UGA, let's hear a reminder of Kirby Smart from that right now. Well, I don't know that I'll get any time off because tomorrow we got all these recruits here. So we'll be uh, recruiting and we'll be watching tape. Uh, I look forward to the weekend next week. Maybe that's what you're asking. Next weekend, I'll have some time to watch games and uh, go recruit. I love going to recruit and seeing high school kids and being in that atmosphere. That's great. I'm always interested in the number of words that Smart repeats in a very brief clip, short window of time. Think about how many times he used the word recruiting over the course of just a couple of sentences there. That gives you an idea into Smart's overall mindset, I would say. And we'll talk more to Connor Riley about that coming up in a moment. But I'd also add that Smart is right about one thing, that if you're not experiencing the game of football at the high school level, I think you're sometimes missing out on the game in its purest form. And the fact that Smart understands that as well as he does is, I think, one of the reasons why he recruits as well as he does. It's an authentic relationship that Smart has with coaches because Smart, I think, genuinely cares about the game and the coaches who make their life in this game. And you know, there's something really beautiful about the sacrificial nature of high school coaches. Obviously, compared to the average person, a high school coach in Georgia makes a good bit of money. But when you start dividing that by the number of hours worked, I mean, that's a guy who's really grinding for the salary that he earns. And you know, at, at a certain point, he's kind of working for free because – he cares that much about his players. He cares that much about the game. He wants to help them get their college opportunity. He wants his community to have something to rally around. And that's just kind of what a lot of high school coaches do in our state. It's one of the reasons why I like the high school game as much as I do and love being a part of the games myself on Friday nights. Smart understands that as well. And it's one of the reasons why he recruits so well. And yesterday there was more good news for George on that. We'll show you the image on the screen here. And I am going to apologize because I don't have this pronunciation down yet. Hopefully I'll get corrected on this and we'll get this fixed for the future. But Ali Oba the former Florida State offensive line commit most recently of IMG Academy. He flipped from the Seminoles after recently decommitting, now going to the University of Georgia. This is a good-looking guy here. It's a big guy, a you know, big offensive lineman. Obviously, there's a lot to like about that. I thought I enjoyed Jeff Sintel's story at dognation.com on all of this, where he talked about the number of visits that Ba had recently taken to, to, uh, to, to Georgia and the way in which that you know, he kind of furthered that relationship there. So obviously for the Florida State part of this, you see, you know, the Seminoles kind of crumbling as of late. And you think, well, that's Georgia swooping in, take advantage of a, of a commit who kind of got soured by what's happening in Florida State. And I guess to a degree, there may be some of that there. But also this is a, a guy who's 
you know, fairly close to the Georgia process all the way around. We say a lot followed the visits, and this was an example where there were a series of visits to follow. Jeff Sintel wrote a good bit about that. It's also been fun to watch Georgia fans' response to this because one of the things you detect is a little bit of a change in the typical mood that Georgia fans might have. And I won't lie about this. We try to keep it candid, keep it real around here. We are obsessed with those high four stars, those five-star names, and we're talking about those guys all the time, right? But as of late, hard not to notice that some of the three-star names and lesser recruits that Georgia's brought in, some of those guys are pretty good on the field. In fact, we've spent a good bit of time touting one of those guys win the Heisman Trophy this year in Jordan Davis, and we'll keep doing that, hashtag JD to NYC, and we appreciate all of you who keep making that such a fun thing uh, to be a part of. More on that later on the show. But it's not just Davis. It's you know, Ladd McConkey, it's A.D. Mitchell. You could go on and on and on. Suddenly, you know, Georgia's scouting eye would seem to be almost as good as its uh, big recruiting net that brings in the five-star guys. They're finding those diamonds in the rough there as well. So nobody bats an eye when it's three-star guy that was at Florida State, now in the fall for Georgia. Now, not every service has him as a three-star. The Composite 24-7 Sports has him as, him as a three-star, but at least one of the services does have him as a four-star. When you see the size, when you see the length, you think, well, maybe, maybe there's more recruiting opportunity for him to grow and his ranking might increase by the time he ends up signing at Georgia. But there's also this thought now of, Hey, if, if Georgia's going after a three-star, it must be pretty good because that's what McConkie is. That's what Mitchell is. That's what Jordan Davis is. And the list could continue of, of those guys who really contribute a very high level for Georgia on that. And the cool thing about, about this addition from the Florida state uh, 2022 class is it also continues what's been a recent hot streak for Georgia in recruiting that obviously a lot of fans hope continue there today. On the heels of also Oscar Delp last week, the four-star tight end, which had been one of the most uh, sought-after recruits for the class of 2022. Hard-fought, hand-to-hand combat with schools like South Carolina and Clemson for Delp services. Ultimately, Georgia steps up as the winner there. And you add now the former uh, Florida State commit here. And then you move on and you get ready for later on this evening when five-star wide receiver Luther Burden gets ready to make his choice. I don't have to tell you this. You already know this. This Burden deal today is a huge, huge deal in every way imaginable. We talked about this as part of our first and 15 a little earlier, that Georgia collects five stars at an unprecedented clip. But when you look at what Burden specifically is, top 10 player in the country, of course, but just five-star wide receiver, that's been a pretty rare win for UGA. You go back to George Pickens in the 2019 class as a true five-star receiver. And if you exclude here for a moment the five-star athletes that played receiver at Georgia, guys like McCole Hardman or Terry Godwin, but if you look at true, polished, five-star receivers, prior to George Pickens, you have to go all the way back to the 2009 class with, what, Reggie Brown to see Georgia adding another five-star receiver. That means if Burden were to eventually join the 2022 class for Georgia, you're talking about, what, the second five-star in a dozen years or so that Georgia's been able to add. So, when Georgia's in the mix for a guy like this, it really does represent kind of what the program hasn't had a lot of. Now, in the last couple of years, Georgia's overall wide receiver recruitment has greatly improved. Georgia signed four top 10 receivers over the course of the last three cycles, but few of them have had quite the rating that Burden brings to the table. And Jeff Sintel, who recently took a visit up to East St. Louis to speak with Burden ahead of his decision with him at the time, getting ready to take an additional visit to Missouri and also kind of previewing the, the visit there to, uh, to, to, to UGA, had a chance to, to talk to Burden about what he wants to see from his college process, what's going to matter to him as he gets ready to make that decision. So let me let you hear for a moment 
Jeff Sintel with Luther Burden, and Burden tells you what's going to matter to him as he gets ready to make his commitment announcement here on this Tuesday night. Here's Luther Burden. What do you think your decision is going to come down to? If, if there's a, a thing that you think in your heart it's going to come down to, what would it be? Uh, like, what would be the reason? What are you looking for? Uh, being able to play early, uh, my position coach, offense, uh, the style of play, same thing, offense. Doing the main things like that. So, Burden says there what a lot of players say. They want to be able to play early. They want to have a good relationship with their position coach. They also want to have some belief that position coach is going to stick around for them. We know those are very common things that recruits think about. Can I play early? Will I get along with my position coach? That really matters. But Burden also brings up something else there. He talks about the style of play. Now, I think with Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation Recruiting Insider, was on with us on Friday, we had a very candid conversation about this. There was a time when style of play was a big stumbling block for Georgia when it comes to recruits like this. I mean, I'll give Jaden Hazelwood a lot of credit, even though it was frustrating for a lot of UGA fans when Hazelwood left the state to go to Oklahoma. Hazelwood was at least honest enough to admit that he wasn't sure he'd be used at Georgia. At the time, he had some real questions about Georgia's offense, and he wasn't sure that a guy like him could flourish in a program like that. I would say Arie Gilbert, the following cycle, was, was a little bit the same way, that that Gilbert ultimately made the choice to go to LSU. And at the time, Gilbert was, was a little concerned about how his unique talents would be used as a place like Georgia. And it seemed like for a while that Georgia could win with five-star offensive linemen, could win five-star running backs, could win even with five-star quarterbacks. And it could win with five-star guys on all phases of the defense, defensive line, linebacker, secondary. That Georgia could collect all of the elite recruits at, at, at all of those positions. But there was this barrier when it came to the guys who are going to catch the football, whether it be the truly athletic tight ends, whether it be the truly athletic wide receivers, that there was this barrier, this, this, this negative impression that Georgia wasn't the right spot for guys who wanted to catch the football. But slowly over time, I think this is really changing. And I think it changed in part because Georgia did the hard work to win with some guys who could, demonstrate some rare athleticism. Obviously, Darnell Washington is an example of that. As I mentioned before, the four top 10 receivers that Georgia signed, when, when they've been healthy, they've all shown you a, a little bit of something. But also the presence of Todd Munkin, I think, is so crucial here, the Georgia offensive coordinator. Because what Munkin, I think, has provided is the altered mindset necessary to give guys like Burden what they want to see. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what Burden's going to do when he makes his announcement tonight. I do feel pretty confident about it, and I hope I'm not disappointed. But but one of the reasons why I think that Georgia's even a hat on the table for a guy like Burden is because the presence of Todd Munkin, I think, has made the entire program, including the head coach Kirby Smart, feel more confident about what can be done offensively. In fact, if you want to take Burden at his word, there's no reason not to. That style of play matters to him. Am I going to a program that can use someone who has my talents? I want you to hear two words from Kirby Smart, one in one clip, and then eventually I'll, I'll play another clip, where if you're trying to demonstrate a style of play that wins over guys like Luther Burden, what Georgia did on Saturday, even though they only scored 30 points, right? I mean, 30 points is not 50 points, but this was another game for Georgia when they've scored 30, which means they've scored 30 in every game, at least 30 in every game this season, except in season opener against Clemson. This is a much more high-powered Georgia offense, really, than 
by the time the season's all said and done, I think you're going to say it's the highest powered offense of the smart era. As it stands right now, they're on pace to eclipse that as, as it is. And the way in which smart talks about offense, I think has evolved there as well, including in Saturday's post-game press conference at the end of the first half. Hey, things weren't quite clicking for UGA had a chance to put together a, a kind of a, not quite two minutes. It was actually less than a minute, but had a chance to kind of put a drive together there at the end of the first half, kind of chose not to do that yet came out swinging to start the second half. And in describing Smart's attitude towards doing that, he talked about another word that I think a guy like Luther Byrne wants to hear before he gets ready to make his college choice. Let's hear Kirby Smart going back to Saturday. I say it all the time. Be aggressive. Take what they give you. And if they continue to lower the safeties, put them in the box, and, you know, they were they were bent on, on not letting us run the ball, which I really think we could run the ball. But if it's if it's easier to throw it and it keeps them off balance and, uh, and you're rolling, we did a good job in the passing game. So did you like to hear that word aggressive? Isn't that what Luther Burden wants to be when he says style of play is going to matter to me? And if we were to press him and say, well, when you say style of play, what kind of style of play do you want to see, Luther? He'd say, I want to see an offense that's aggressive. And in the second half on Saturday against Kentucky, Georgia was aggressive. They pushed the limits. They got Brock Bowers involved. Got him a couple of touchdowns. They threw the ball. Stetson Bennett averaged more than 11 yards per attempt on Saturday. It's a pretty aggressive offense all the way around. Not always great on third down necessarily, but 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 pretty aggressive. And to make up for some of that lack of efficiency on third down and lack of efficiency for the full 60 minutes of the game, what Georgia did to counteract that, well, that leads us actually to another word that a guy like Luther Burden wants to hear. And if you want to know why Burden is considering Georgia and why Georgia might just actually win with Burden later on this evening, the word aggressive that you heard a moment ago is a reason why. But another word that Smart also used on Saturday, I think also stands as a pretty important reason here. So let's hear Kirby Smart again, this time a different clip about the offense. And we want to be an explosive football team, a dangerous football team. We feel like you know, at full strength with our wideouts, we can be really explosive. You know, we thought coming into the year where that was going to be one of the strengths of our team, and it's been an injured portion of our team. Uh, but we have quarterbacks to get them the ball. We have offensive line to protect. We have good backs. Uh, we just have to keep building and getting better and play cleaner football. So did you hear that word? It's explosive. And in two different moments in that postgame press conference on Saturday – I think a guy like Kirby Smart, and I don't think this was a subtweet. I don't think this was intentional. I just think it's the way in which Georgia has evolved and guys like Burden noticed this. But two different clips from a post-game press conference on Saturday, Smart is using phrases that guys like Burden want to hear. We want to be aggressive offensively. Well, Georgia actually is pretty aggressive offensively right now. We want to be explosive offensively. Georgia's shown some potential to be explosive, and there's reason to believe they could get even more explosive as the, as the season goes on. And if you're a guy like Burden, it does become a very real belief that hey if they're doing this right now with the guys they have who are to be frank lesser recruits than I am then imagine how much better things could get once I am here uh boy I, I think that's really fun to think one more thing before we change the subject off this and uh Michael may have already shown this I uh, being at home I can't see this on the screen but I do want to call this out so we'll, uh, this will kind of whet your appetite for what's going to go down tonight I do think we have burden from his official visit on Saturday a couple of really good looking shots the, the photos that Burden shared of his official visit were really cool because he went up to the 300 level to pose for those pictures and the, the, the sun was shining through just perfect. Whoever's idea it was to go up to that 300 level for those shots, that looked really good. And the way they used the sun on all of this looked really good there as well. 
So I got to tell you, uh, even if it's the black on black uniform, I think uh, Luther Burden's looking really uh, good in that George gear right there. And the notion of uh, more of Burden in Georgia uniforms for many years to come, I don't got to tell you, I, I don't mind that at all. That is really good stuff. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And it's actually somewhat amazing to me that we still can do at least a reasonable facsimile of the show we do each and every day, even when I can't be in our studios. Big credit to our buddy Michael Carvel for all of that. We were first and 15 this morning on DogNation.com, the Dog Nation app. I still don't quite know how we do that, but uh, it's cool that we do. And then at 10 a.m., we get fired up on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch. We're still on the radio every day at noon on Athens Sports Radio 96, the rep, podcast-wise, all the various platforms. And, of course, it's the resources made possible by our great partnership with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're also proud partners of UGA, which makes them fun to do business with. But sometimes it's just important to talk about the important work that they do because you're a homeowner. One of the scariest things you can deal with are water intrusion issues, especially when it rains. And it seems like it's rained so much this fall and really even going back in the summer. You see that water creeping into your basement or your crawl space or your garage. You notice those cracks in your walls, which can be a sign of a foundation issue. These are the kinds of things you need to get seen about. Don't put this off. Don't delay on this. Get it done. Uh, get it done today. Reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They have two full-time engineers on staff. That means they're smart people who do good work for you. As I said before, they've been longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily for a long, long time and proud partners of UGA there as well. Phone number could not be easier to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now, and that'll get you in touch my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. One thing that'll be a little bit different about today, like yesterday, I get to be yapping a little too long here, and we're going to go out of order here just a little bit. We'll do around the doghouse here in a little bit. I'm going to get more into the quarterback situation for Georgia at the time, specifically the decision that Smart has to make, I'm assuming has to make, ahead of the Florida game next Saturday, and the process, I believe, by which you should go about trying to make that decision. We'll do that around the doghouse here in a little bit. Let's slide in Connor Riley right now. Let's do a Kroger fresh take with Connor here today as he gets ready to join us. And Connor, uh, good recruiting stuff here. You got a great piece of dognation.com on that front there too. Let's begin with the man of the hour, and then we'll go back and look at the commitment that Georgia got yesterday. Uh, Luther Burden is a gigantic, gigantic deal for UGA for the simple reason that Georgia just hasn't, I'm talking about predating Kirby Smart, just has not signed a lot of true five-star receivers and from a rating standpoint, Burden's about as good as you'll ever get a chance to sign. This, I, I think, has the potential to dra- dramatically transform what Georgia football is all about. I don't think it can be overstated how big of a deal this is for UGA. Fun to peer in on this later on this evening. Yeah, think back to earlier this summer when we were talking about a guy like Kojo Antwi, who was a fringe top 100 prospect. And we hammered home the importance of, of, of landing a prospect like him because – as well as Adonai Mitchell has played this year, and as well as Lad McConkey, who signed in the 2020 class, Georgia hasn't exactly recruited difference makers at that wide receiver position that have been able to come in and make a, a gigantic impact on the field, really, since George Pickens. And I would include a Dominic Blaylock there as well in that 2019 season. So if they're able to go in and land the number two overall receiver, the number six overall player in Luther Burden, and pull him out of East St. Louis, I think that's a huge win for this program. It's a huge feather in the cap of Cortez Hankton, who continues to you know, despite some early criticism in his time, I think similar to the way Trey Scott had been criticized for his recruiting ability and ability to develop, he has now shown that I can go out and if he lands burden today, go out and land the big fish, 
and also take some of those guys that he likes as projects and develop them into early contributors for Georgia. I think you're 100% right about that. And the audio that we heard from Burden earlier when he spoke to Jeff Sintel, he mentioned his position coach, one of the main reasons he'll make his college decision. So got to give Hankton the credit if that indeed goes down. And as you said, there's really two facets to being a good position coach. You've got to go out and win with the can't-miss prospects, but you've also got to turn prospects that were maybe under the radar. You've got to turn them into contributing players. And my gosh, with what A.D. Mitchell is doing, I, th- I think that Mitchell's success this season gets obscured by the fact that Latin McConkie's story is so out of nowhere. The, the, the Mitchell story is not far behind when it comes to the success that he's enjoying right now. And so I think that when you mention McConkie, you have to mention – uh, you know, uh, Mitchell and all that too. Obviously, Cortez Hankton right in the center of all of that right now. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. You look back to this past Saturday when, when Luther Burden was in Athens, Georgia's two leading pass catchers were freshman Brock Bowers and freshman Adonai Mitchell there. And so I think because of that, you see Georgia sort of indirectly saying to Luther Burden, hey, if you're a freshman and you're good enough and you put in the work, you can come in early and play a role in this Georgia team. No, I think that's exactly right. And I brought this up to you last week we were in the show, and it's something you said off the air, but I swear I think about this all the time, that right now the Georgia defense is good because it's almost impossible for them not to be. They, they've just added so many good players that I'm not saying anybody could coach them up, but it's not that difficult to have great success when you've got mm-hmm. what Georgia has from a talent standpoint. And the offensive recruiting for Georgia has been good, but it's not been what it is on defense. They've won with a million offensive linemen. They've won with a lot of running backs. And they've actually won some quarterbacks. But if you think about them starting to stack those pass-catching targets, where they are with tight ends, where they could be with wide receivers, that pretty soon, over the course of the next couple of years, the Georgia offense could be functioning similar to what the Georgia defense is like right now, where it, it's succeeding because it's impossible for it to fail. They've just added so much talent that, that you can't do anything but win with what you've collected there in burden, obviously has the potential to be another step in that direction. Yeah. I mean, look at Alabama, you know, 2019, 2020, that offense, when they had stacked Judy rugs, Waddle, uh, Devonte Smith, you look at this Ohio state team right now, which I think a lot of people are sort of warming up to you look at what they have stacked in the wide receiver room with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, Nwaba, and uh, Julian Fleming. So much so that Jamison Williams leaves Ohio State and goes to Alabama and is their best receiver right now. So I think that speaks to sort of the importance of stacking at that wide receiver position because you look at the recent champions, Clemson, LSU, Alabama, those teams all had loaded wide receiver rooms with future pros out there. And so if Georgia's able to figure that end out and they're able to start getting to that point on offense, where I think they already have with their front seven on defense, it's going to make winning a national title or at least contending for a national title as a top four playoff team easier than it ever has been. Yeah. The Jamison Williams comparison is kind of interesting because like there's this old cliche that, Hey, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person to do because they'll figure out how to get it done. I think receivers look at the same kind of thing. It's like, instead of saying, okay, I'm an elite receiver. Let me go to a school that doesn't have me. There's this thought of I'm an elite receiver. Let me go to a school that has a lot of elite receivers because they're showing they know how to use those guys. It's like, I think a lot of players would rather be in a program that's shown a track record for using elite receivers, even if the crowded nature of the position group dictates that it's almost more difficult to get on the football field because there are just some programs that don't have elite receivers because they've proven they can't use them. Right. I mean, you think back in terms of great recruiting classes and stacking them, think back to that 2013 Alabama running back class where Mm -hmm. 
they get Derrick Henry, they get Alvin Kamara, they get two other really good running backs coming out of high school there in Tyron Jones and Alton Tenpenny. Obviously not all of them were going to play there and work out, but at the same point in time, Derrick Henry goes on to become a Heisman Trophy winner in the focal point of Alabama's 2015 offense. And Alvin Kamara goes on to play at Tennessee and is now one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think you're looking at this Georgia defensive line right now. When you stacked that defensive line room to where it is, the cream is only going to rise to the top. That's why Jalen Carter, despite being one of the younger members on that defensive line, is maybe the best defensive line prospect in terms of NFL potential that Georgia has right now, just because by playing with Devontae Wyatt, by playing with Trayvon Walker, by playing with Jordan Davis, and even last year, guys like Malik Herring, a healthy Julian Rochester, to get on the field, you have to elevate your own game. And so because of that, that has brought out the best in a guy like Jalen Carter. And I hope one day we see that with the wide receiver position as well. I said this yesterday about Jalen Carter. If you told me I got to have 3% of his future earnings, I'd burn every dollar I own. He is unbelievable. Like, And this isn't a takeaway from Jordan Davis, who we, we can touch on his Heisman right. campaign here in a little sure. bit. Uh, the, the Nicobe Dean campaign offense campaign office has an announcement to make regarding his uh, his running there. But he does stuff that impacts the stat sheet in a way that Jordan Jordan Davis obviously doesn't. But he is just such a classic, you know, Aaron Donald's an unfair comparison, but just a game wrecker there at that defensive tackle spot where if you're going to have to single him up with an offensive lineman because you have two guys dedicated to Jordan Davis, he's just going to blow apart that other offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting, you know, off track, but I do want to keep this conversation going that like the thing that's so fun to me about the Jordan Davis campaign that we've been pushing here the hashtag jd to nyc is our audience completely gets that they completely get what it's what what's it about because Devonte wyatt's playing at an all-american level right mm. jalen carter i think is playing like a top 15 pick for georgia nicobe dean all these guys you can mention the success they're enjoying that people get the idea of the reason why we're pushing jordan davis to the heisman trophy is because of what his symbolic representation is for uga i've said before davis is an avatar as much as he's a football player davis is a is a embodiment of, of what the georgia defense is all about and the fact that the audience completely gets that that this is a this is a celebration of team success and team first values i'm actually really happy with the way the audience has embraced it but also really happy with the reasons why the audience has embraced as much as they have. Yeah. The mainstream media has now picked up on this campaign. Really and and e- e- even though I, I still believe in my heart of hearts that a Kobe Dean, it has the better chance of winning the ultimate Eisman trophy just because of the way he plays. And even you look this past Saturday, I mean, go back and watch that play where uh, second and 10, where, but right before that Jordan Davis blocked field goal had occurred, that play 10 out of 10 times should have been a touchdown. Kentucky had three offensive linemen over there and a running back. Dean is somehow able to to navigate around those guys and snuff him out for a tackle for loss. So, oh, no. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I was getting sorry. a call from a, oh. another Dog Nation team member. Um, the way that Kobe Dean has played is so great, but I think at the end of the day, it comes back to Jordan Davis just makes everything so much easier for everyone else. Again, Georgia's led the country in rush defense in the past two seasons. I've said for a long time now, that Jordan Davis is the biggest reason for why that's the case. That's the same reason this year this Georgia defense is a good as as good as it is. Georgia's consistently getting teams into third and longs. Jordan Davis plays a really big reason in that. No, I think that's really good stuff all the way around. It's a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here, of course, as you get ready for Halloween. And, folks, that's coming right down the uh, corner there, too. Big deal in my neighborhood and my family and so many of you the same way. And 
my kids are always like, Daddy, we are already been saying, when we're going to go to Kroger, when we get our shopping carts full of that candy. Of course, they want to eat it for themselves. They don't want to give any of it out. But uh, nonetheless, get that candy from, from Kroger, get those decorations. Right now, you can save as much as 30% off on the stuff that you need to make Halloween great for you, your family, your friends, and everything else. So Kroger.com slash Halloween for a lot more on that. Kroger.com slash Halloween to get stocked up for the Halloween season as we head towards October 31st, the day after the cocktail party, uh, hopefully a celebratory day, and certainly it will be for uh, dog fans enjoying some Halloween after taking down the Gators and no doubt mocking Dan Mullen, whatever goofy costume he decides to wear after that one uh, next Saturday. Let's get back to recruiting here for a moment, Connor, because first of all, I got to have some help here. Uh, Good-looking offensive lineman uh, at IMG Academy, totally butchered the pronunciation earlier. What are you going with when it comes to the uh, young man that committed to Georgia yesterday? I haven't heard Jeff's pronunciation of it yet, so I'm just flying in the dark here. I believe it's Aaliyah Ba. I okay, don't know. you're going I, Ba as well. I went Ba too. Yeah. Uh, and you, I think you and I are in kind of the same ballpark on that. So uh, I feel like we're close enough. Obviously, I want to respect yeah. him by giving him the correct pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And when I find out what it is, I'll certainly do that. But no matter how you say it, there's a lot to like about this young man. First of all, he's a giant. He's very, very big. Uh, and uh, obviously from a school that George has done well with before when it comes to IMG Academy, what else jumps out to you about the addition here? Yeah, I think the big thing there is his size. You, you look at this current Georgia offensive line and losing Tate Rattledge really hurt this group. And I think if you're spinning it ahead, I think Georgia wants to get back to recruiting those true monsters. You look at the guy like that they also have, Jacob Hood, 6'8". 340 pounds, Ba, 6'5", 325. They're going to come into this Georgia program, and Bob maybe even less so because he's already at an IMG, and they're obviously more physically developed along the process because it is just a true football factory there. They're not going to be operating at the same lack of beef that I think you see with this Georgia offensive line right now. And I think Kirby Smart, while he values the athleticism that this line is able to play with, especially in the pass blocking department, He sort of wants to get back, I think, to that 2018 and 2019 type of offensive line where they are just true monsters out there and able to have an easier time pushing around the opposing fronts because I don't think we're exactly seeing that right now with, say, uh, Cedric Von Perron at center, Warren Erickson at guard, and Justin Schaefer at offensive guard. uh, uh, Connor, let me give you some what breaking news is coming in here. Uh, I guess on three is reported this 24-7 rivals as well that uh, Scott Cochran, the Georgia assistant coach who had been leading UGA special teams and away from the program dealing with a personal matter, is now reportedly back with UGA again. This is just coming out in the last couple of seconds here. Uh, Obviously, the most important part of this is going beyond the football sense that uh, if Cochran's coming back, that must mean that he's feeling better and in a different place mentally and spiritually and emotionally, which I celebrate as terrific news here. Uh, Connor, a little bit unfair to ask you to speak about something that just happened, but what's your immediate reaction to the Cochran news? Yeah, I mean, this is something that it seemed like had been trending that way. We heard from Kirby in late September that Cochran was back in town that they and they had always sort of hoped to get him back. Um, I do probably think we continue to see Will Muschamp in that special teams coordinator role, just given that's where they've been for pretty much most of the season, given when Cochran stepped away and why sort of mess with the flow and the routine of things right now, and then reevaluate what Cochran's true role with this team is going to be 
Uh, in terms of an on-field coach, obviously, at the end of the season once again. But I think it's a good thing for, obviously, Cochran in, in this Georgia program as a whole to have him back and have him in a place where he's healthy enough to contribute to this Georgia program. I'll, I'll say one thing here. When it comes to mental health, a job like this is both a good thing and a bad thing. For a guy that's very, very intense, the pressure to keep up with the job can kind of cause you to maybe run a little harder than, than you might need to. And, and maybe that's some of what Cochran had dealt with on the front end of all this. However, when it comes to that need to step away and the motivation required to kind of get things squared away again and get yourself into a better spiritual place for the future, the promise of returning to a job that you love can also be a very positive thing there. The, 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 the intensity of the job can cause it to be uh, a, a negative maybe, but, but when you step away from it, the desire to come back to that can also be a positive there as well. So I'm glad to know that Cochran's got this opportunity now to come back and be around guys that we know he and Kirby Smart have been good friends for a long time. He's obviously going to be around people that love him. He's going to be around a thing that he loves, which is college football and just the team environment and stuff like that. So I'm really happy for this. And, and ultimately, look, if, if he's back as the on-field coach, George is probably in good hands. With him stepping away, George is clearly in good hands with Will Muschamp. This is just what I like about football. Football gives people a chance to, to be the best version of themselves for players and for coaches. And I'm just really, really happy that Cochran gets a chance to now step back into an environment where I know he's going to be supportive. Because ultimately, even though I don't know him personally, I do know people who love him. I, I, know, I know people who know him personally, and they would do anything for Scott Cochran. So I'm really happy to know that he's got football back in his life again. Yeah, I, I think back to when I was at the NFL Combine talking to guys like Tua, Henry Ruggs, um, Jerry Judy, they all loved Scott Cochran and were a little a little upset might not be the right word, but they were they were definitely saddened by the fact that he wasn't gonna be around at Alabama anymore. And you know, I, I think it's a credit to to Kirby Smart and the program that he has built where Scott Cochran wasn't okay and, and that program was in good enough space and shape to say, hey, Scott. You need to take care of yourself and make sure that you get okay and get to an okay space. And the program was able to still go on. And now Scott Cochran is able to get healthy and then come back and rejoin this team and contribute as a member once again. Yeah. I think if more people, and I'll stop talking about this, this will talk about this, but I think if more people could be assured that, Hey, I can step away from life, get myself taken care of, and then I can re-enter life when it's all said and done. Because that's the thing I think for a lot of people who are listening to us right now that you know might feel like they have their own battles they're fighting right now. Mm. One of the scariest things to consider is well, what happens if I step away? And I think in this particular case, George is showing you here, step away, do what you need to do, and life yeah. will be ready for you on the other side of this. So honestly, you know, I'm, I'm sure Scott's got plenty of, of work that he's still doing on himself, but, but I just think kudos for Georgia for – I think really demonstrating how all of this can work. Yeah, I know you, you think taking care of your physical health, it's something you do every day. And I, I think, it, I think we're getting to a point in society where we're starting to realize you have to do the same thing with your mental health there. And so I'm glad Cochran was afforded the opportunity to step away. And now able to, he's in a position where he's healthy enough to rejoin this team and contribute in whatever way he is able to do so. All right, awkward transition now back to just regular football talk here for a moment. What's going to happen to quarterback, Connor, um, with Stetson Bennett playing as well as he is, JT Daniels presumably getting uh, closer to returning. There was some physical evidence on Saturday that would suggest he was a little closer to being able to play, maybe could have played in an emergency situation on Saturday. What do you think is going to play out here with all this over the course of the next couple of weeks? 
I think it's going to be JT Daniels when he is healthy enough to play. I think Georgia has done a really, really good job of tailoring this offense to put Stetson Bennett in a place to where he can succeed. And he's been great as a starter in four starts this season, 10 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He has done everything that has been asked of him and shown, I think, real growth. And I know Kirby Smart sort of knocked away this notion when I asked him about it on Saturday. I mean, you look back to that Kentucky game last year, 13 pass attempts, two of them were intercepted, and Georgia can say they wanted to run the ball and were content to run the ball all that day. That's fine. They couldn't throw the ball if they wanted to in that game. And when you look at all the injuries Georgia has had a wide receiver there as well, I think that only makes what Stetson Bennett has done this season more impressive. But I think Georgia Georgia still very clearly knows this offense functions at its best when JT Daniels is out there throwing passes. That's not to say that they can't, in a pinch, tailor an offense to to make things work with Stetson Bennett, but it's an easier time with JT Daniels out there. And so I, I, I look at what's going on at Florida right now. Georgia does not have a quarterback problem, or, yeah. or it is maybe more of a dilemma or a choice that they have to make, whereas I think Florida and some other schools out there, they are facing a real issue here. Uh, Oklahoma right. may be there as well. Right. Georgia has two quarterbacks who, when they have played this season and then when they have shown that they are healthy, are capable of winning, of playing winning football and scoring a lot of points. And so I think because of that, obviously I think they're going to go with JT Daniels. I, I just think he's the better option, but in the event that they do go with Stetson Bennett, I think with what we have seen from him this season in he's played now three straight ranked teams, he's shown that he is capable of leading this football team. So I would say this, that my confidence in Bennett, I'm speaking as a fan here for a moment. Uh, my, my confidence in Bennett's pretty high and I'm not entirely sure no matter what decision they make for the Florida game, they don't have to go back to Bennett eventually because the mm-hmm. fact that JT Daniels has just had a hard time, uh, you know, getting fully healthy here this year. But assuming both guys are healthy, Daniels clearly has the higher upside. And I think for the most part, a coach's job is to choose the player that has the higher upside in most instances. And I'm going to talk more about this in a moment, Connor. All that said, though, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying to JT, hey, if you want this job back for Florida, you got to assert yourself because yep. right now this is a Georgia team that is playing well. And some of the things that Smart says about Stetson Bennett are true, that, that Bennett's playing fine. And I'm sure as he's continued to play well, the confidence of the players in that locker room around Bennett's probably grown here too. And Smart uses the phrase buy-in a lot, high buy-in right now in the defense, probably uh, in all facets of the team. The buy-in level is so high I can understand a coach not wanting to mess with that chemistry too much because chemistry is kind of an inexact science when it comes to football here. So for Daniels, who I do hope starts the Florida game because I do think he's probably the better player. I don't think there's anything inappropriate with saying to him, okay, you've been away for a while. That's not your fault. You've been hurt. But now that you're healthy, you got to assert yourself here and you got to show yourself in practice to be the guy that ought to be starting against Florida. Leave no doubt, make it clear. I don't think it's inappropriate to say that to JT right now. It's interesting. We we think back to the spring when Kirby Smart came out and said, yeah, JT is our starter, something he really didn't do when Jake Fromm was uh, was the quarterback for this team. And now it's juxtaposed with, and I agree with you, JT is going to have to earn this on the practice field. He's got to go out there and show that he's 100% and the quarterback that gives this Georgia team the best chance to win. I believe that is what he is. But now he has to go out there and show it in practice in a way that, you know, he obviously did during the spring but he wasn't forced to. And I think Georgia knows what it has in Stetson Bennett. It it feels comfortable enough in Todd Munkin that he's able to scheme up an offense that puts either JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett. They're very different offenses 
in a place where they are able to be successful. Yeah. Like last thought for me on this, I think the thing that you run the risk of is if you just take the starting job from Bennett and just give it to Daniels, I think it runs the risk of burying Bennett in the eyes of the other players, because if he's reinserted at some point in time, because of another Daniels injury, all of a sudden now this team believes it's playing with a backup. Whereas right now, I think they believe they're playing with a starter. The other thing here is given that the buy-in is so high and the level of commitment to nasty is so high. I mean, you just don't want anything to be given to anybody. You want everything taken right now. And, and Daniel's a good enough player that he probably will step in there, has a very good chance of taking this back, but it has to be taken. Otherwise, I think you're just lowering the, the, the intensity of the program. I, I, yeah, I agree. You can't, you can't build this program the way that Kirby Smart has built. And this is where I am a, a little sympathetic to him because he's obviously gotten crushed for the way that he had handled the Justin Fields, Jake Fromm situation. And he is in the past tried to handle the quarterback position like every other position. And I think this is an example of, yeah, this time the quarterback position and probably merits handling it like you would handle a running back rotation or the, the starting tight end position. I think going forward, this is a spot where JT on a week in week out basis is going to have to earns, maybe not the right word here, but demonstrate through his health and through his abilities that he is the starting quarterback for this team. And I think this Georgia team knows what it has in Stetson Bennett. It knows and trusts that it can win with Stetson Bennett out there. And I think JT needs to show going forward now that that is where he he can get to a quick final thing for you. What do you think about the LSU coaching opening? Uh, Obviously Jimbo Fisher gave a pretty emphatic response to all this yesterday. I think that makes it likely that he's staying in college station, which is probably true to begin with. Uh, but what do you make of this opening and how things are going to play out for the next couple of weeks? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to use this space to touch on a couple of different SEC stories here. I think one with LSU, Mel Tucker probably seems like the the easiest candidate, most yeah. likely candidate, especially now that Jimbo has been removed. I take a long, hard look at Dave Aranda. I love what he's done at Baylor there. Especially I've had a lot you know, of Lord. listeners bring his name up too, Connor. That's a very interesting name to think about because it seems like he's doing a pretty good job there now. Knows the program there. And this past offseason, you know, year one in a pandemic, Baylor didn't have a very great season. Could have been very easy for Aranda to just say, hey, you know, it's a year zero. We're going to restart there. He goes in, brings in uh, a BYU guy who is now their offensive coordinator. He has totally changed the way that they have played. So I think that's a guy that's really interesting too. If you're Dan Mullen, man, that is that is a brutal loss where you you lose to a coach who got fired the next day. And yeah. if they lose to Georgia uh, uh, in Jacksonville, which I think a lot of people in this audience think is going to happen, he's going to be two and seven in his last nine games against Power Five opponents. And as someone who has said, hey, as much as you might not like Dan Mullen and his, his antics. It's a really good thing for Georgia if the longer that he stays at Florida there. So, man, if he loses and they drop to four and four, that's going to get really dicey there. I don't think they're going to have enough juice to fire him this season. Yeah. But it gets interesting there. Well, the the way in which the LSU game is lost, this is supposed to be the thing that Dan Mullen does well. He's supposed to be the Mm -hmm. game coach, right? Because you can say, well, LSU's got better talent than Florida. On Saturday, I'm not quite so sure that was true. Rick, Rick's wasn't playing. Stingley's not playing. Keishon Butte's not playing. You can go on down the list of um, guys who are not playing. And do you know this? Uh, you probably do. The the running back, who I'm not even all that familiar with, he broke Herschel Walker's record for the most rushing yards ever allowed by Florida. Like, how are you having this happen? I mean, to me, this was one of the, one of the least dignified losses I've ever seen an SEC coach of some renown suffer. Stunning. I mean, on our go with the flow show, we all took Florida in the points and had no questions about it. Easy I mean, we thought, make. 
Right. We thought on Sunday it was going to be the end of Ed Ogeron, but it wasn't going to be coming off of a win there. So yeah. I think, you know, Dan Moore, and obviously I think the easy thing is Anthony Richardson's going to be their starting quarterback. He was playing the reps that matter there at the end mm-hmm. uh, of that game there. But that doesn't solve getting destroyed by an LSU team no. that two weeks ago against Auburn ran for 33 yards in the entire yeah. game. And you give up over 320 rushing yards to that very same team. Incredibly concerning stuff there for Florida and how they go about getting that ship right. Where eight and four, a sort of online meme joke that Georgia fans have pointed right. out over the last year, is now a very real possibility for Florida in this 12-game season. And if you're a coach who's reeling with your own PR within your own fan base right now, Kirby Smart's not the coach to see on the other nope. side of that because Kirby Smart nope. is not going to throw him a life raft. He is not nope. throwing him a life raft if he has the chance to. No, Cur- Kirby Smart's going to rub it in and run it up if he gets a chance to on Saturday or on October 30th, I should say. Away from your lips to God's ear and all that. <laughs> Honor, uh, good stuff. Thank you for being here as part of our Kirker Fresh Take. Really appreciate that. And we'll look forward to a lot more coverage from you at uh, dognation.com and then chatting again real soon here as well. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, BA. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Very good stuff. Uh, Connor Riley there, Kroger Fresh Take here today. With that, we'll get ready to roll into our SEC Through here, too. Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And by the way, Royal Caribbean's back on the seas again. It's time for you to make your plans to be a part of one of those great vacations, whether it be the Amplified Mariner of the Seas, which is completely reimagined, looking so, so uh, sharp right now. And really such a fun, fun thing to be a part of great great ports of call out of the bahamas and sailing out of port canaveral which is just a short drive from where i am uh in atlanta if you are looking for your very first cruise one of those three or four night cruises on a ship like mariner of the seas i think it's a great way to get going with all of that and you can check that out today you can find out about perfect day coco k there as well private island right there in the bahamas uh available only to those who are taking a uh, Royal Caribbean cruise. You got the chill side, you got the thrill side. The chill side's got the private cabana, so you kind of kick, kick back and relax. To be frank, that's something I'd love to do. My family, though, probably a little bit more into the thrill side, whether it be tallest water slide in uh, North America, a largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas, a 450-foot helium balloon takes you right up in the air. Just incredible stuff all the way around when it comes to a Royal Caribbean a vacation and if you haven't taken one you need to and it's time to find out more about this and my advice to you as far as how to check that out to my friends at the cruise and vacation authority it's two dog alumni that run it so that's obviously uh, really cool uh good to support those who uh, obviously love uga also they're experts on royal caribbean vacation so you can find out more about this there too it's tcava.com i'll make sure i read this correctly for you because i can't see what you can see on the screen tcava.com or give them a call 7709 <laughs> 770-952-8300. 770-952-8300. You can check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority here today. And, of course, uh, good to have all of you with us as we go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let's bounce through and get a couple of stories here uh, just for a moment. Obviously, we talked to Connor a moment ago about the LSU situation. Pretty emphatic answer coming from Jimbo Fisher yesterday when asked to uh, specifically address uh, what's going on with his involvement there. Here's what we know, that he and Scott Woodward, the LSU athletic director, have a long time history with each other. And Fisher's name has come up as a potential head coach at LSU at least three times. So this is, I mean, Fisher is probably as closely connected to a school that he's never been head coach at as much as anybody could be. Of course, Jimbo was offensive coordinator at LSU when it won the national championship in 2003. But um, 
but but you know but but since then uh, this has been you know kind of you know kind of his uh, his mo to to be mentioned when this job comes available. But now he does have a very highly paid job at Texas A&M. I think that that LSU is probably I don't think there's any doubt LSU is one of the ten best jobs in college football. I believe it's a better current job opening than USC. It's one of the best jobs you can have. But at this particular moment, I don't know that it's a better job than Texas A&M. Texas A&M has shown that it wants to marshal its resources. Texas A&M wants to be a major player in the scene, uh, in the SEC. And given the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are all also on their way to the SEC, A&M may be more motivated than ever. I mean, in a lot of ways, the situation in the Southwest has really kind of ratcheted up, which I think is to the benefit of the coach there for the Aggies. You know you're going to get everything that you want. We've seen Jimbo spin big on off-field analysts, as a for instance. That's obviously aided the A&M recruiting efforts a bit here. So given the money that he makes and given the the money available at Texas A&M, I'm not quite so sure leaving A&M for LSU makes much sense. Now, there's also a lot of people that have kind of laughed at Jimbo Fisher for the high salary that he earns. This is the reason why he makes so much money. It's the presence of a top 10 job like LSU, which has pushed for Jimbo so hard before. This is why A&M has always been ready and willing and really views it as a necessity to up his salary and keep him happy there because they're they don't want to lose their coach to lsu so that's a little bit of the behind the scenes story on why jimbo already made so much money got another raise here this year because they at a&m are obviously very well aware of the fact their former athletic director now at lsu the fact they were looming as a legit threat to steal jimbo fisher away they wanted to prevent that from happening so Tennessee has gotten a big fine from the SEC, $250,000 for the behavior on Saturday. On the one hand, I do think some of this has just been taken too far in that in a stadium of 100,000 people, you got a couple hundred people who are doing the throwing here. And obviously it ends up painting all of Tennessee fans with a very broad brush. Now, most dog fans don't like Tennessee fans very much, so they don't mind seeing Vols fans being painted with a very ugly broad brush. If anything could be uglier than the orange they were already wearing. But it is kind of funny how aggressive all this is to the point that the SEC is actually charging Tennessee with the task of going back through security footage, identifying the throwers, and uh, and uh, banning them from Tennessee athletic events for the rest of the year. Of course, given the fact that some of this debris had to be hurled from the upper level of the stadium, you might make the case, especially with Hendon Hooker currently injured, maybe instead of kicking him out of Tennessee athletics, maybe they should try him out at quarterback, just given the fact that some of that debris seemed to travel a pretty good ways to make its way to the field there at a Neyland Stadium. But obviously, this is a real a real blight on the falls, and the SEC wants to step up and make it clear this kind of thing won't be tolerated. And I know it had to be a nightmare for all the stadium operations folks and everything else there in Knoxville because you work so hard trying to make the big game atmosphere feel big. And for the most part, Tennessee had succeeded in that up until the uh, end of the game. And then you have what happens happen. And boy, what a bad look for Tennessee all the way around there. Uh, quickly here, uh, I saw Matt Hayes, who I think is a pretty provocative writer, works for Saturday on South Now, worked for Sporting News for a long time. Pretty provocative guy. Has a pretty scathing piece up on Dan Mullen at Saturday Down South. I'm going to read you a couple of sentences here. He said, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but it's time to reevaluate the idea that Florida's Dan Mullen is one of the 10 best coaches in college football. You've heard it all by now. Those same regurgitated talking points that have fortified the resume of a coach that's never won a conference championship. It is held in the same high regard as those with national titles. A great football mind, a quarterback guru, the best play caller in college football, a coach the NFL wants, 
Um, he says a power five AD told me this. There's so there's so much that goes into hiring a coach, but the top of the list is can you recruit and can you win games that matter? I'm not sure any uh, I'm not sure what any of that other stuff means. And that's obviously the issue that Mullen deals with. Uh, and when you're at Mississippi State, like Mark Stoops gets a lot of what Dan Mullen used to get. Stoops is the guy at Kentucky. He does more with less. One of the reasons why Stoops worked so hard to score that last touchdown on Saturday to say he kept it within the spread against Georgia is because Stoops is smart enough to know that the media will heap praise on him for doing that. The media loves to show you how smart it is by praising coaches that are supposedly doing more with less. And Mark Stoops gets a ton of that love now, and he knows how to lean into that. And Dan Mullen used to get that when you're at Mississippi State. But as, as I've said over and over again, and this is where me as a Gator hater, I'm forced to actually give Florida a little bit of credit. The Florida as a program has won a lot. They've won national championships with two different coaches. So when you hire a guy like Dan Mullen, all of a sudden at that point, there is no more, um, there is no more do more with less. You have to be the kind of coach that does more with more. You have to be the kind of coach that gets Florida back to the level that it used to be at. And Mullen right now is showing you that he's incapable of doing that. And in fact, some of you have pointed this out to me, and we may examine this on the show in a couple of days, that on Saturday he almost admitted they needed to recruit better before finally kind of pulling back and prevented himself from saying that. But it is true that Dan Mullen doesn't recruit at a high enough level to put an elite roster together. And the transfer portal is not a substitute for high school recruiting because the transfer portal is – is, is working very hard for a player that's going to maybe only be in your program for one year. It's a pretty inefficient process all the way around, whereas high school recruiting, if you do it right, has the chance to benefit your program for three or four years. also has a chance to really bolster your depth in a way that, for the most part, transfers don't really provide. And Mullins is not very good at that right now. Now, obviously, he's just going to try to prove people like me wrong next Saturday against Georgia. And who knows? I mean, obviously, we've seen – disappointment from uh, Georgia against Florida before. I think this is a very different kind of Georgia team. I don't expect that to be an issue this time around, but obviously Georgia fans will be on guard for something like that a little bit. But as of right now, you have to say what this is. This is a, this is a Dan Mullen who I think deep down knew that the Florida job was not one that he really wanted, had to be really coerced into taking the job. We've played the audio before of Megan Mullen, uh, when she worked at the Golf Channel, talking about how she used to grocery shop in Orlando because she felt uncomfortable even going to supermarkets there in Gainesville. That's just kind of the feeling the Mullen family had about coming here. And, you know, the results on the field are that. You know, he was way too patient with a guy like Todd Grantham, who's proved himself to be a failed defensive coordinator, at least at the high-end level in the SEC. Uh, he had a quarterback outright come out and suggest that he might transfer, AR-15. Anthony Richardson said that, at the game on Saturday, we told you before the season began that Richardson was the better quarterback between the two, and Mullen's going to play games with that situation. And all of a sudden, now he's got a quarterback. You talk about you know, uh, you know, leading uh, locker room coup with a guy like Richardson suggesting that hey, maybe I'm going to transfer. Now, since then, the uh, Ministry of Information has gotten to him. He's kind of cleaned up his language a bit, but that's kind of the mess that Mullen's dealing with. It, it, it's bad times there in Gainesville. And I tell you right now, I can't wait to see Georgia make it worse. I cannot wait to see Georgia make all of that uh, so much less enjoyable uh, for those Florida Gators. Because as we said with Connor Riley a moment ago, when it comes down to all of this, uh, you better believe that uh, Kirby Smart, if he has a chance to really make Mullen kind of lay in it a little bit more, he's going to do exactly that. We'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And by the way, speaking of the big game coming up in uh, Jacksonville next Saturday, I also want to tell you about a really fun tailgate event that's going to be going on there at the game. We've done this before. This is a this is a great thing. Uh, 
and I'm, these folks are going to put on a great tailgate for those that, that can be a part of this. If you go to the website, it's gtepresents.com. That's gtepresents.com. You can see uh, more about this. And when you use the promo code Dog Nation, you're going to get $20 off your ticket. Um, it's a good deal on what's a fun tailgate, the beverages, the food, everything that goes around that short walk from the stadium there. You see more of this on the screen in front of you. But a really good um, tailgating event taking place at the stadium before Georgia, Florida next Saturday, which includes your food, your beverage, and everything. $20 off your ticket as well when you use the promo code Dog Nation. So check out gtepresents.com for a lot more on that. gtepresents.com for a really fun tailgating event there next Saturday in Jacksonville as Georgia gets ready to take on Florida. And obviously, we're looking forward to being there for the cocktail party there too. But if you're looking for a tailgate, if you don't already have one planned, that's a good one where it's kind of turnkey solution, everything taken care of for you. You can check that out right there. All right, as we get ready to wrap things up here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, let's also turn our attention to a whole bunch of uh, golden shoes today and some really good ones too. Uh, Very, very fun stuff. And I want to kind of bounce through a few of these. You can see these on your screen. I'm not going to be able to, but we'll kind of roll through these. First of all, uh, very funny stuff from our buddy Mad Dog here. You, you saw the French's mustard get thrown on the on the field for the for the Tennessee game of the day, and now I guess that's going to be a Tennessee mascot here going forward. Uh, that is a uh, is, is really funny and really well done. Good job, Mad Dog, on that. Big thanks to our friend Chad Tiller on Twitter, who says, "Let's send Big JD ninety nine to the Heisman ceremony." Hashtag JD to NYC. Also retweeting Ben Fennell, who gives you a great image of Jordan Davis from that game on Saturday. Y'all have been so good with the hashtag JD NYC stuff. I really appreciate that. Another cool golden shoe coming in here there as well. Uh, this one from Simon Cartwell. And he gives us uh, Kirby's visor with a great edit from uh, Jordan Davis. Good work by Kirby's visor here with the uh, laser eyes coming out of Jordan Davis saying, this is your Heisman. I also think it's funny that the original tweeter here also tags Kirk Herbstreet, the Heisman Trophy, ESPN, Adam Rittenberg, uh, comedian Jack Black. Then he gives Justin Bieber, George Lucas, Star Wars, Mark Hamill, Game of Thrones. So he's getting everybody involved there to try to get that attention for Jordan Davis that is so richly deserved. So good stuff there. It's the hashtag JD to NYC continues to blow up. And then Joel Sidney Kelly, who's always so good at this. Another work of art from him. And if you really look at this closely, so you got the mustard bottles, you got the water bottles all landing as trash on the field there at Neyland Stadium to form the Power T logo. Very funny stuff from a guy in Joel Sidney Kelly, who's always so good at all of that. And we really, really appreciate that. So good stuff with our golden shoes. Quick shout out to our friends at the Finish Long Drink there as well. Try some, four different varieties, thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick some up. Uh, ready to drink cocktail right out of the can. You're getting ready to tailgate. You're getting ready to beat the cocktail party. I can promise you this. The finished long drink is going to be all over the place, all over St. Simons and Amelia Island and down there around Jacksonville, RV City, everything else. You better believe that finished long drink is going to be well, well consumed and enjoyed by all the folks getting ready for the cocktail party. So go to thelongdrink.com and you can find out where to pick some up here today. And a quick reminder as well, when it comes to uh, our program here that We are getting ready for that cocktail party just 11 days away. Revenge game for Georgia. Doesn't matter how much Florida's limping in. Doesn't matter how much Georgia's still got to play for. Next Saturday, full attention on those lousy, stinking Gators. Total annihilation is the mission. It happens 11 days from right now. That's our Gator-Hater countdown. Hope you have a great day. Hope you'll be uh, by the phone or the laptop later on for some hopefully good news. 
that five-star wide receiver Luther Burden later on this evening. And for now, we'll say goodbye on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of, Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Have a great day, everybody.